It's time to have lunch and talk sports. It's the Midday Sports Zone on Sports Radio 93.1. Happy Friday. We made it. Russ Brown, Steve Norris with you this afternoon, talking sports for the next two hours. It's just us. No guest on the rundown today. Got a lot to get to. A big weekend in sports coming up. The Combine's going on. You got Georgia, Georgia Tech playing a little baseball. Georgia Southern in the Sun Belt Tournament. We'll get into all of that. We'll talk some Falcons football as well. And I have a feeling that this could be a fluid sort of a show. Yeah, welcome back to Who Framed Stetson Bennett. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, well, there's that because there will be open phone time. Yeah, spoiler alert. At the end of the show today, uh, <laughs> Scooby-Doo style, Russ is going to pull the mat. He's going to have Sonny Dykes, you know. Okay, let's see who you really are. Uh-huh. Yeah. Ryan Day. Yeah, and I would have gotten away with it if one of you meddling kids. Oh, my gosh. Well, the well, all, well, we're all set to go and talk about the combine yesterday, and we'll get to that. Uh, but the Athletic has just put out that the Big 12 has been in recent contact with Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah. Uh, mm. Renewing optimism that convincing them to join is possible, sources tell Stuart Mandel and Max Olson. So, and, and the, we talked about this with David Hale yesterday from the ACC's perspective with the grant of rights. If this happens and you're the Atlantic Coast Conference, don't you have to try to go get the northern schools, the Washingtons, the Stanfords, the Washington State, and I guess maybe Cal or somebody like that? Because I have a feeling the Pac-12 is going away. Uh, yeah, right. We mentioned it yesterday. Uh, what do they have besides Deion Sanders at this point and maybe Oregon? I mean, that anybody wants to watch. That's about Not it. Much. I mean, Utah. Utah's solid. Um, yeah, Utah's a solid team, but but I don't think yeah they don't it's they doesn't have the nobody talks about Utah and recruiting or anything like that. It's not a hot button. Yeah, you know, Oregon is, and you know Colorado was basically nothing until Dion came along. Now everybody's talking about them. I'm talking about teams that people actually talk about. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's a shame too. I say it all the time. You know, in college football, unfortunately, it's not just all about winning. <laughs> correct. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, Oregon's proved that for the last. I mean, they've they've had some good teams, but everybody talks about all the jerseys, you know, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, that's that's kind of what they're known for, you know, a different jersey every game. Um, and I mean, I don't blame them. You know, some players really like that. Some fans really like that. But uh, yeah, you're correct. It's it's not all about winning. Um, but they've got to try and stay relevant. Yeah, you're right. They've got to. I would think they've got to make their move while they can. Yeah. Uh, yep. Uh, well, we'll see. We'll keep an eye on this. I don't know if anything's imminent. But, uh, yeah, if those four leave, that would be six schools out of the Pac-12 in the, in the last, well, I guess, two years. And they'd be the Pac-6. Oh, the six-pack. They could be the six-pack conference. Look, the Pac-12 losing USC and UCLA, is it would be like the SEC losing Georgia and Alabama. Right, exactly. I mean, devastating. Yeah. That they are the Pac eight, Pac ten, Pac twelve. Yeah. Right. I mean, when I was a little kid, it was a Pac eight, but I mostly remember it being the Pac ten, and then you know they added what was it, Colorado and Utah, and became the Pac twelve. Um, and now, again, with USC and UCLA gone, it's Oregon and who? I mean, really, that anybody actually thinks about? Right. Well, and and you mentioned Dion with Colorado. Washington, maybe. Uh, maybe. I mean, they made the playoff once. They, yeah, they've been to the playoff. They have a national championship. 
they they're in Seattle. Shared national championship. Yeah, shared national championship. They're in Seattle. Uh, so I mean, there's there's something there, but I would think that they. I mean, I, if I'm the AD at any of those schools, Oregon, Washington, Stanford, Cal, I'm on the I'm calling the Big Ten first, and then the yeah. ACC, um, because you've got to figure something out. I, I don't know how you would make. I, I I guess you'd have the ACC Coastal, the ACC. Well, they're divisionless now, but you could have the Coastal, the the um, uh, Atlantic, and mm-hmm. the West Wing. <laughs> the West Wing, <laughs> right? So, oh, man, what a mess! It's it, well, and we, you know, we asked David Hill yesterday, and I'm talking long term. I'm not talking next five years. I'm talking next couple of decades. Is this going to slow down? Because it aren't we kind of getting to a point? Really, I mean, for the ACC or the Big Twelve right now, giving up the Pac-12 teams would be survival for them. So that's a good thing. But once that settles. For the those four conferences, outside of adding Notre Dame, there's not really anywhere else to go unless you start poaching each other. No, nope. but it's like we said yesterday: if Clemson and Florida State get out of their grant of rights deal, if I'm Greg Sankey, why do I want them? I'm not getting more money. It's taking money away from my current member schools. I already have a team in South Carolina. I already have a team in Florida. So what do team? What do conferences like Conference USA do? You know what I mean? Because they're close. They've got some good teams. Well, they've added – well, you know, they got raided by the Sun Belt, so they, they went out and added some FCS teams and brought them up to the FBS level. I mean, do you just keep doing that until there's no more FBS and – I'm sorry, FCS and everybody's, you know, 1A if you want to use the old term? Yeah, you water it down. Yeah. Uh, it's going to so, get really watered down cause on, I that, mean, on that end, I mean. Yeah. I, I mean, once upon a time, there was no one, 1A and 1AA. It was just it's like basketball. It's just all Division One. So, I don't know, man. It's the wacky world of college sports. It's it's crazy in the off season, and there's nothing better in season. Um, it's amazing how much is going on now compared to, like I said, when I was a kid, when it was just and there was no playoff. The conferences were rock solid set, mm-hmm. um, and you know something like this would have seemed so bizarre. Uh, it would have been. It would have been nuts, um, but it is what it is. We're here, and and uh, you know now we just kind of have to wait for the fallout, and who knows when that ends. Yeah, who knows? Um, so, and then one more thing here before we get to our first break: the NCAA has officially uh, proposed its timing rules. These have to be uh, approved, but uh, and we've talked about this in the past. Here's this is the official word of what they're trying to get changed. The game clock would continue to run after first downs, except in the final two minutes of halves. Teams would be prohibited from calling consecutive timeouts. Penalties at the end of the first and third quarter would carry over and be enforced on the first play of the next quarter. Um, and then the clarifications, uh, establishing guidelines for second-half warm-up activities, including requiring teams to wait until the field is made available to return and having designated areas of the field to warm up. And when teams are on the field, drones are not allowed over the playing surface or the main or the team area. Um, what? Uh, <laughs> who, who's, who's running drones over the football field? I don't know, but, the network? I but mean, Bill Belichick just got a really good idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, so I and and look, I think this is a a good thing um, because 
I've never understood why the clock stops after a first down in college, but now in the era of spread, you don't see the hurry up as much as you did. I think it's kind of trending back towards not necessarily a huddle, but you know, teams aren't trying to snap the ball with 30 seconds left on the play clock. Some are, uh, but you're seeing less of the tempo portion of it. But this is going to cut down on the number of plays. Um, I think it's going to create more competition. Uh, and 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 ultimately, it's we we live in the world where TV really wants all this stuff to be done in three hours or less. Oh yeah, the NFL's got that down to a science. Yeah, yeah, they're they're wanting that. They're wanting to be able to. Um, it'll probably allow them to add more product. Event, you know, I mean, at least another Maybe. game. Yeah, that's where they're really looking at it because that'll afford them more advertisement. Yeah, I remember we had one um, Georgia Southern. I guess going back two or three years ago. Can't remember the exact year, but it, we played at Indiana, and it was a four-hour game. <laughs> wow! Yeah, yeah, that's way too long. Yeah, it it it, it took a while, but um, so that's uh, again that's got to be approved. But I, I think this is something that's coming again. First and foremost, TV. Uh, secondly, you know, for those teams that are trying to snap it every thirty seconds, it's going to cut down on the number of plays, and that kind of becomes a safety issue. I'll say this, it'll make it better for when you're watching the game in the stadium. Yeah. Where you're not having to wait so long uh, between commercial and, and, you know, going to commercial. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Um, it'll make it much better. That That's the only thing I don't like about actually going to games is when they go to commercial break, it seems like 10 minutes. Yeah. It's, it's three minutes or four minutes, but I, I do like that they have the clock on the field now. Somebody yeah. runs out there and they stand there and you can actually yeah. see how much longer you've got. I like that. Yeah. That that makes it better too. No, television, you know, as far as the length of the games, television is a huge influencer on that. And, and I say that because they don't have the same format for games that are on ESPN Plus as they do on ESPN. Mm-hmm. So anytime, you know, there's that Thursday night game, for Georgia Southern, and we're going to be on ESPN or ESPN2, you're like, okay, this is going to take about 30 minutes longer than the other game because the right. commercial breaks are about, I'd say probably about a minute and 15, a minute and a half longer. Right. Well, they got they got to get in all their, as much advertising hey, as they can. That's that's why we have <laughs> NIL. That's why we have NIL. Yep. I know a lot of people don't like it, but it's a billion-dollar business, folks. Here to stay. Uh, yep. So it's uh, anyway, and it's and it's the most evolving sport we have right now. I mean, it doesn't even resemble college athletics is not what it was, you know, before July twenty twenty one, when name, image, and likeness, and before the transfer portal. I mean, I mean, this sport has changed dramatically in the last two or three years, and it's getting ready to uh, change a little bit more. So, what's the most controversial thing in that list? <sighs> Ah, is there really anything that controversial? No, I don't think so. Uh, it's just some really. It, it it almost feels like it's just some cleaning up, you know, like the the being able to call consecutive timeouts. So that's just you know when they're icing the kicker. Okay, you can do it once. Everybody's sick of that, right? But you know, sitting there if you if you have all three timeouts, you're not going to have to sit there for six minutes while they go timeout, 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 timeout. timeout, timeout, timeout yeah, right, which is good. The penalties at the end of the quarter. I never understood why there was an untimed down. Do it at in, the end of a quarter. At the end of a quarter. Like right. first and third. Right. Yes, doesn't make any sense. If it's the end of the half, end of the game, it'll be an untimed Move it down. along. I think the one that's going to be the, the hardest to get used to will be the running clock after the first down because that's something most college football fans are used to. They're especially towards the end of a game where it's close, you know, and you're trying to drive. And you're thinking, okay, just get the first down. Just get the first down. The clock will stop, and then we can get, you know, we can get a play in. Well, they're not going to have that anymore. Um, 
So it's going to change the way we watch those situations. Yeah, yeah. That so, makes, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It makes makes a lot of sense. But, yeah, I don't think there's anything controversial or earth-shattering um, in any of this. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll look at what happened to the Combine yesterday, uh, and then we'll get to your phone calls. That and more as we continue on the Midday Sports Zone right after this. Eleven sixteen, Russ and Steve back with you here on the Midday Sports Zone. So the uh, combine is off and running, and what a day for Nolan Smith yesterday! He ran a four three nine forty. That is the second fastest time by an edge in the history of the combine. Yeah, he made a lot of money yesterday. I think so. Uh, he is uh, listed as six two two thirty eight. So that that's going to hold him back a little bit. If he was two inches taller, he might be the number one pick in the draft. Well, that's what I was saying to some buddies yesterday. It's possible now he might go before Carter. I, I mean, think about it. With wow. the situation? Uh, yeah, wow. Who would have predicted that? No, yeah, that's, that's an I mean, interesting – I I'm not necessarily predicting that. I'm just saying yeah. that's a possibility now with the situation. Right. Now, his they, they have um, on their next-gen stats on NFL.com, this, this is they get into formulas that are way beyond – anything I can comprehend, but they give you a production score, an athleticism score, and a total score. His production score is a 78, which ranks fifth amongst the edges in this in the 2023 combine. The athleticism score is an 85, which is second among edges. So they've got him ranked as the fifth edge in this year's draft. But, you know, that, that term that has come up, is, it's a little bit tricky because an edge can be a lot of different things. Um, there are – there are guys athletic enough that can play, and I'm just going to speak in a traditional sense, in a base 4-3 they can play the end, or in a 3-4 they can play the outside linebackers. Uh, those are the guys that are going to go first. And then you have the guys, and we've got a couple of examples right here in the state. Keon White at 285 pounds is an end. He is not an outside linebacker. Right. And then you have a Nolan Smith who is not an end. He is an outside linebacker. So you know that may so you'll you'll probably see some edges go before him, and and it really and it gets into need and your style of defense at that point. But there's no question. I think a lot of the mocks I had seen him in, he was mid to late twenties. Next week, when the post combine mark mocks start to come out, I think you could be looking at top fifteen, top ten pick for sure. Yeah, and with what you're saying, the NFL is a passing league, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, teams are almost always going to go for quarterbacks, uh, uh, left tackles, and pass rushers, right? Got to be able to rush the passer. If you can't rush the passer, you're dead in this league. Um, So, yes, you are correct. But still, uh, with that kind of speed, um, somebody, Patrick Garbin posted today, that Nolan Smith's uh, 4.39 is the seventh fastest time by a, a former UGA player in the NFL Combine since 1999. Wow. Um, number one is Champ Bailey, no shock there, at 4.28. Keith Marshall <laughs> at 4.31. Tim Jennings, 4.32. Miko Hardman, who I thought would have been the fastest, 4.33. Chris Conley at 4.35. And then Nolan, I mean, I'm sorry, Lewis Seen, you know, who got – uh, drafted by the was it Packers? I think so. Yeah. Safety. He was a defensive MVP of the national championship game 2022. Um, and then uh, Nolan Smith, seventh. Yep. At 439. So that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Because there's been a lot of speed at Georgia since then. 
Yeah, and another person, you know, and the 40-yard dash is not the end-all, be-all. But another guy that it, this hasn't really been talked about, Robert Bill ran a 4.48 yesterday. That was the third fastest. And that's impressive. Um, yeah, and he made some money too. Now, I mean, he'll go in the first two rounds now. Yeah, well, well, he Probably. and again, this is a guy you you want to see what he did for himself. He's listed at six four two forty seven, so the height and the weight is definitely there. His production score is fifty one, which is thirty fifth at the combine. His athletic score, athleticism score, easy for me to say, is seventeenth. So the total score is sixty one, which is thirty first. But you know, I, I just I wonder if that's going to going to change. Now, the the drill that that is really the money maker for these guys is the three cone, and for whatever reason, only nine guys did that yesterday. Uh, so Nolan Smith and Robert Bill did not do that. Keon White did not do that. Um, and then you have the bench press, uh, and the Keon White from Georgia Tech was tied for second with thirty reps, but uh, tied with Tyler Lacey from Oklahoma State. And Lonnie Phelps out of Kansas had 31 reps on the bench. Uh, Keon White's score, he is uh, production score of 68, which is 17th. Athletic score of 16th, and is according. And this is according again to Next Gen Stats, the 19th best edge in this year's draft. Uh, no, I'm sorry, I clicked on the wrong guy. I didn't think that was right. I was looking at. For some reason, it gave me DJ Johnson. Let's try that again. Let's see if I can get my mouse uh, point clicker <laughs> right. Um, I'm sorry. All right. Keon, uh, Keon White is the 10th in production score at 75, third in athleticism at 84, and the third highest ranked uh, edge on this list and is listed at 6'5", 285. And again, somebody yesterday at the Combine that may have made themselves a little bit of money because you look at that 285-pound frame with a third best athleticism score out of this group. That's right. – that, that – that he – uh, another guy to look at uh, next week when the uh, when the numbers come out. So, um, all in all, it was a, a, a good day for some guys here in the state of Georgia. Now, from uh, overall draft perspective, Edetamuya, Edabawar, Northwestern defensive end. Bless you. <laughs> He uh he was he he made a big move yesterday. Uh, he's a 282 pound lineman. He ran a 449 in the 40. 282 pounds. That's moving. A 37 and a half inch vertical uh, with a 10-5 broad jump. Jack Campbell, a linebacker out of Iowa. Uh, he's uh, listed at 6'4", 249. He had a vertical of 37 and a half inches, a 10-7 in the broad jump, and had a 159 10-yard split on his uh, 40 time. Kalaji Kansi, which I feel bad for Kalaji Kansi. He had a great he had a great day yesterday, and there's no doubt he's going to uh, be flying up some draft boards. Uh, he measured six one two eighty one. He's a defensive tackle, so undersized. From where for that? He's from Pittsburgh. Um, his arm length measured at thirty five eight, uh, and his four six seven forty time was exactly what he needed. Recording the fastest time for a defensive tackle of the event since two thousand three, and he's getting compared to. Another former Pitt Panther who was undersized at the Combine, Aaron Donald. Mm. I hate when guys get those comparisons. That is not fair no, to Kansi. Uh, those are some big shoes to fill. And obviously, we know Nolan Smith had a big day. We talked about that. And uh, Byron Young uh, from Tennessee, um, he had a, uh, a good enough day. This is a guy that you were looking at in the later rounds. 
wondering if he might get drafted. They're, they're saying he locked himself into being a day two selection yesterday with his performance. He ran a 4 4 3 40. And uh, so he had a, a good day, the young man from Tennessee. Uh, not so good days. I hate to see this. Andre Carter uh, out of Army. Uh, he's six six, but his arm length is is at thirty three and three eighths. It doesn't it isn't what they're looking at. Um, his uh, the jump figures weren't good. Uh, thirty inch vertical nine one on the broad jump. So um, he's going to have to have a big uh, pro day. This is a guy that some people thought might come into the back end of the first round. Uh, now he needs a good pro day to be a, a day two pick. But it's just cool to see somebody from a service academy talked about in the NFL draft. Yeah, it's rare to see those guys get picked anymore. Yeah, um, I mean, there's not a whole lot of incentive with NIL to to go to service academies at this point, other than you know wanting to serve your country, which is obviously noble. But but uh, yeah, these days the the real high school studs they're not going to be thinking of going to service academies. Oh no, not at all. Mike. Yeah, Morris. so it's good to see those guys make it. It is. Yeah, Mike Morris from Michigan. Not a good day. Uh, Jacqueline Roy, out of uh, the defensive tackle out of LSU, not a very good day. Drew Sanders from Arkansas, the linebacker, not a very good day. And Byron Young from Alabama, defensive tackle, did not have a good day. So those are kind of the movers and shakers at the Combine. And, and again, at some point, uh, maybe while we're on the air, we'll see uh, Stetson Bennett. He's got a nice little nameplate at the podium there. As the quarterbacks are talking today, they'll be throwing tomorrow so uh, when Stetson speaks, we'll see what he has to say. I'm sure he's going to be asked about the incident in Dallas. I wonder if somebody will ask him if it was a conspiracy. <laughs> the TCU mafia. I think we all know. <laughs> They're up to something, you know. Oh, yeah, you got to watch him. All right, we'll take a break as we do. We'll open up the phone lines, 478-646-ESPN. Wherever you want to go in the world of sports is fine with us. we got Georgia-Georgia Tech baseball this weekend. Uh, the Yellow Jackets and Bulldogs are in action in basketball, too, as they wrap up. Their regular season portion, Georgia Southern, uh, with a win last night over ULM, advances in the Sun Belt Tournament, so they'll play on Saturday night. Uh, and, of course, Braves going strong in spring training. Anywhere you want to go in the world of sports is fine with us. And we're back with more of the Midday Sports Zone right after this. Eleven thirty-one. Russ and Steve back with you here on the Midday Sports Zone. So, can I point something out real quick? Yes. Have you ever heard of Society Garden over on Ingleside? Mm-hmm. They, I sure have. They do trivia on Thursday nights, uh, and it's the best trivia I've ever done. I, and I'm a big trivia guy. Well, anyway, me and my wife went up there last night, and we won it. Came in oh, first place. Oh, nice. Yeah, and the bonus question, the big bonus at the end of the night was uh, in 19 – well, he got the year wrong, so we ended up doing another one, but he gave us credit for that. But it was actually supposed to be 1984. It was when um, DVDs first came out, music DVDs. What – and the question was, well, what was the first uh, music DVD ever put out? The first? And, yeah, and you just got a hint. A born in the USA. Born in the USA, <laughs> and I knew that. I remembered that from some something from way back. I was the only one that got it. Wow. Yeah, but anyway, I ended up uh, – Setting the record for the most points ever at Trivia of Society Garden because they had that extra bonus question. <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah. So, yay me. Well, I'm trying to find the actual category. There was a, ca- a sports category on Jeopardy last night. And so what they would do is they would give you like, like for example, one was headbutt, standing eight count, 
and I can't remember the third. Obviously, that's boxing. Right. Um, one was uh, sacrifice. Uh, it was baseball. It was, just, it was it was like that. Nobody got it. Nobody got any of them. Oh, I see that happen a lot. The one that always makes me cringe because I know what's coming is and university mascots. Oh, <laughs> as yeah. As a category. <laughs> I mean, they whiff all the time on the easiest ones. I've seen University of Georgia. And, and, and sorry, it's uh, the what is the Bulldogs? I'm like, seriously? And I mean, and the other thing, and I've always said this, when you don't know the mascot of a school, you should always guess Bulldogs. That are Wildcats. Are Wildcats, yeah. Wildcats, I think, is number one. And then Tigers, I think, is number Tigers two. Tigers is another good one. Tigers um, is another good one. And then I think Bulldogs is in, like, the top five or ten or something. But, but um, but yeah, yeah, just guess. And every time, every time a sports category comes up, I usually run it. And then my family's like, man, you should go on Sports Jeopardy. Have you? I'm like, no, these you don't understand. These are tapping putts. Like, I want to talk to a physicist and be like, hey, when the physicist category comes up on Jeopardy, <laughs> are they really easy to you? Because the sports category questions are not hard. No. not no. but if And you, I hear that all the time, too, about that. You should go on Jeopardy. I'm like, well, no. it's really kind of hard to get on Jeopardy. And then have you ever seen Sports Jeopardy? I have not. Where's oh, it at? It's, well, I don't even know if they still make it, but uh, it was on, like, uh, maybe Peacock. Or maybe, no, I think it was NBC Sports before it went away. But anyway, I, I watched it one time, and they were like, who won the silver medal in the 400-yard dash in the 56 Olympics? I'm like, I would not do well on that show. <laughs> uh, no, no idea. No idea. But do you remember a show on ESPN called Stump the Schwab? I do, yeah. Oh, I used to love to watch that show. That guy. I mean, that guy was one of those guys you probably wouldn't want to spend more than 30 minutes around just because he'd be so annoying. But he was, you know, I think he worked at ESPN yeah, for a while. He was like and a, a stats and info he guy. He was the stats yeah. and info guy, yeah. Um, but uh, but anyway, no, I didn't know there was a sports jeopardy. Yeah. it's. Uh, it, I don't even know if they still make it. but um, Hey, uh, let me see if you can get one of the questions I got right last night. Okay. Um, it was yesterday was his birthday. Um, they get you got three choices. Um, who has the most 500 yard passing games of all time? And your choices were Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, or Ben Roethlisberger. Oh boy, Chris, where's the would, Jeopardy music? I would say, <laughs> I would. I mean, this is a total guess. I would guess Drew Brees. And nope, Ben Roethlisberger. Really? Yeah, and. You know, it, I've played trivia so much in my life that sometimes those questions, it, it it's what you don't think. It, it's the one you go, there's no way it's him. Yeah, right. And the way I looked at it, I was like, you know, I listened to Dan Patrick yesterday. Had it been Peyton Manning's birthday, they would have had Peyton on. You know, it's just one of those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Or they may have just mentioned Drew Brees. But uh, to me, the obvious answer would have been Drew Brees because he just threw for so many yards. I know Peyton did too, but mm-hmm. – um, for some reason, I was like, you know, it's probably Ben Roethlisberger. So I just rolled the dice, and, and I think, again, I was the only one that got it right. Maybe one other. It was like uh, 12 or 15 teams there, you know. Yeah. But um, but That's anyway, cool. yeah, I was wondering if you might get that one. That's cool. I, I I am not good at sports trivia. Like, I just – I'm not good at it. I don't know why. I just I, – that's just something I, I'm not – It For me, it depends on what it is. Um like I'm not gonna get into lacrosse trivia, right? Know? Yeah, <laughs> you know, or well, I can do like mascots. Or hockey. I, I'm not gonna. Yeah. I, I mean, unless it's just something blatantly odd. Like, 
who's the all-time assist leader? It's probably Wayne Gretzky, right? Probably. You know, or points or leader. It's probably still yeah. Wayne Gretzky. Um, but other than that, uh, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do well at that. Yeah. But, um, nah, anyway. I, I have my strengths and my weaknesses. All right, I can't. Sorry, I took it on a tangent there. <laughs> no, I, we like tangents on this show. Believe me. Um, I saw this story, and it's like I, I did a double take. But Stegman Coliseum is falling apart. I was going to bring that up. Is that not a metaphor for their basketball program for like the last 25 years? <laughs> I mean, it's a 60-year-old building, uh, but they've had to close it because pieces of the ceiling have fallen. And here's what I don't understand. So the AJC had to find this out through a source. And then when they contacted the school, they tried to, They said it was closed, but they wouldn't say why. And then finally later they came back and said a small piece of the ceiling fell. Whoever's what? running PR over at they Georgia. They are dropping the ball <laughs> left and right. Needs to be drug right. tested. Uh, oh, my gosh. Yeah, and, here, especially here lately. And and jo- they reached out to Josh Brooks. He would not respond. So they reached out to Claude Felton, who's who's the best in the business. And he referred, according to the AJC, he referred requests to a university publicist. And they wrote, after I- issuing an original statement that did not mention falling concrete, UGA sent a revised statement to the AJC late Thursday night and it reads, the University of Georgia has closed Stegman Coliseum until further notice. This action was taken because a small piece of the ceiling was discovered to have fallen yesterday. No one was hurt. Um, so I don't know what they're going to do. Uh, the, the, the men's and women's basketball team are done using the facility. Um, and I think uh, volleyball, is, is I think their season is over. They're having to move the gymnastics meet to Gwinnett at the Gas South Arena on Sunday that was – that was canceled. It was supposed to be tonight. Um, look, it, it <clears throat> this is this is going to become a sticky situation because it's a sixty-year-old building. They've just it's uh, you know the old cliche putting lipstick on a pig. They've been doing that for about the past twenty years. And meanwhile, over at Sanford Stadium, yeah. So it's just why haven't they re- re- I mean torn this thing down and rebuilt it by now? At least we know the late Jake Scott's not riding his motorcycle over the Coliseum anymore. Um, I don't know if you know that story. I do, yeah. Uh, and it's a true story. Vince Dooley has con- confirmed it one time. Um, but, uh, yeah, wrote his, there was an arc, like an arch kind of thing over the Coliseum before they closed it in. And then they have to, like, put a gate up on the, the top? Yeah. They, yeah. Uh, yes, they had to, and I think they're still there to keep that from ever happening again. And uh, Jake Scott said that uh, the coming down was way scarier than the going up. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> but either way, I mean, this is just another, you know, just another silly thing that's happening with that's related to basketball and 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 the Coliseum. I mean, again, remember when I told you we've all seen Ferris Bueller and the, mm-hmm. and the part where the dad, you know, he's, they see the dad at the restaurant and the dad's like, we know we got the money. We got the money. We just have to spend it, you bonehead. George has got more money than they, than just about anybody, and that was even before the SEC money really kicked yeah. in. Yeah. And there's no reason for this. There's no, no excuse for this, for this building falling down. Well, and, and the question came up, uh, and I think it was our friend Ken Cumming, and who asked, you know, do, do the bat, the facilities in basketball hold the program back? And I think after this news, it's a resounding uh, yeah. Because on the recruiting trail right now, really you're going to go play at Georgia? Their arena is falling apart. I, I mean, they've got to get this fixed. I know, look, football football's the king. 
football runs the show, and there were some much-needed upgrades that had to happen there because they had kind of fallen behind in the facilities race, right? And Kirby Smart has come in and rectified that situation. But I hope, And I know there's a future project for Foley Field, but, you know, people have wondered the same thing about Foley Field, and it's like mm-hmm. we know you have the money. Um, invest it into your athletes. Invest it into your programs, and it's it's time to. I think it's time to build a new basketball. And arena. they were doing the same thing with football till Kirby came along. Yeah, I mean Kirby put his fist down on the table and said, "You're going to do this if you want. If to, you want me here, if you right. want to win, if you want to win, these are the things that you have to do." So hopefully, specifically for those student athletes and 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 the all the kids in middle school right now who may go on to the University of Georgia as a basketball player or a gymnast or volleyball player, you know, invest in those kids, man. Give them something, a nice arena to play in. Look, we'll, this is probably what needed to happen to make, maybe. Them, to make them make a move. Maybe. I mean, we'll, this is a sign from God, I guess, you know. Um, but imagine the facepalm Mike White did when he heard about oh pieces falling. Oh, inside the Coliseum. It's like, what do you do? You've got to be Do you call Kirby and say, hey, Kirby, will you ask them to build me a new basketball arena, Hey, Kirby, could you go recruit for me for a little while while we uh, get this stitched up? Oh, man. Good good gracious. All right, we're going to take a break. Uh, 478-646-ESPN is the number if you want to join in on the conversation, and we're back with more right after this. Welcome back into the Midday Sports Zone, 1146. Russ and Steve with you. Phone lines open at 478-646-ESPN if you want to jump in on the conversation. We're talking about trivia during the break. Um, Tate, uh, via the Twitters, uh, got so mad at trivia one time, they asked, what is the oldest stadium in the NFL? And, of course, I said Lambeau Field, but they said it was Soldier Field. Uh, on a te- Chicago. Yeah. On a technicality, they tore it down in the 90s, but they left a few columns out front, so that makes it older. <laughs> Ah, gotcha. Yep. So I thought I was. I, I found the Chris uh, found the category from Jeopardy last night. I was talking about, and if it's okay with you, I'd like to give you the clues to see if you can get it, so you, people can see just how easy this was. Okay. All right. So basically, they get it's called in the sport. So they give you three things that are in the sport, and you have to tell us what the sport is. All right. And we'll start with the easiest one and go to the hardest. Got the Jeopardy music uh, down up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the first sport: inherited runners, a pill play, pickoff, <laughs> baseball. There you go. Slash softball. Um, the second sport: uh, best ball, casual water, closed face, oh, and golf. The, there you go. All right. Uh, the next sport: eight count, accidental butt, cut man. Four Boxing, that, right. There, there you go. Uh, <laughs> the next one, you've got penalty killing, plus minus, the five hole, the biscuit. That's what everyone's chasing. Uh, Wait, what? The, the biscuit? <laughs> penalty killing, plus minus, the five oh, hole. Hockey. Yeah, the biscuit. And now the last one's the one I didn't get. This one's hard. Chucker, gag bit, mallet, a lot of money. Uh... Horse racing? Polo. Close. Oh, yeah. okay. Bit, bit made me think, <laughs> that, okay, that, horse. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so, but they didn't get any of those. I know. I told you. <laughs> Whenever I watch Jeopardy, and, and they, and I know we said this, but I'm saying it on air. The, the one that I always cringe is the college mascots, because inevitably, nobody knows the easy, even the easiest ones. Um, so, yes, that doesn't surprise me in the least. The sports ones are always the ones that they mess up the most. But, but you know, 
I mean, for the most part, you have to admit most of the people they get on there are, you know, probably not sports sports people. But either way, the one that whenever I see it, I go, well, I'm not getting that is opera. Oh, yeah. I, I'm not getting any of them. There's a lot of those. When they come up, it's always like, eh, eh. okay, maybe. I'm pretty good at music. Yeah. Um. Obviously, sports. Uh. I'm history. History. A, lo- a yeah. little bit of history. Um. And I'm getting dangerous on the wordplay stuff. Like though. Like last night they had a category where you, you you would take one letter vowel out of a word and you had to guess what it was. And I'm used to not be very good at those, but I'm getting uh, getting better at it. That's that's just what I do. That's kind of my unwinding. That's where I in the evening i love it oh yeah yeah i don't watch as much as i used to uh just because you know i've got twin daughters they're turning 13 next week by the way oh wow teenagers but they're playing travel ball softball rec softball and one of them's playing soccer for the school and she's in orchestra playing violin i mean so this is constant moving and shaking and a lot of times we don't get home in time to watch jeopardy anymore yeah um so but i mean i still love it i think uh, Ken, what's his name, is one of the hosts now. Yeah, Ken called, Jennings. Ken Jennings, yeah. and then there's another lady. I can't remember uh, her name. But Violet? Maya and Violet, the girl that played Blossom. Oh, right, right. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but they do a good job. I mean, you know, we all miss Alex Trebek. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, no doubt. But they do a good job. So I was re-watching, um, but we're completely off the rails, by the way. I was... Uh, <laughs> Daniel would be proud. He would. He would. So I, I call this binge season, right? It's the, the time between football and baseball. So I find something to binge, and I decided to go back and start with the very first one all the way up until last year's and rewatch all the WrestleManias. <laughs> and there, I can't remember which See, one. It goes it was. off of the rail, the rails for me there. I don't, <laughs> I don't watch the wrestling. Well, no. Like you they, do. So they used to have like celebrity hosts, like Bob Euchre did it like two or three years in a row. Oh, now I'd watch it for uh, Bob yeah. Euchre. But Alex Trebek was one of the celebrity hosts one year, and it oh, was just fantastic. It was cool. It was really cool to see that, and it was it was funny too because he had he um. Who was it he was interviewing? I can't remember now. It might have been Bobby the Brain Heenan, and he was like, "All right, so Greg, are you excited? The name's Bobby. Okay, Greg. Like <laughs> <laughs> it was something, something like that. Sure thing, Greg. Okay. <laughs> it was really, uh, it was funny, but um, yeah, no, that was that was uh, just I was just you know because they're just kind of going along, going along, going along, going along, and then all of a sudden, hey, there's Alex Trebek. I didn't expect to see him associated with WrestleMania at do all. Do they still do WrestleMania? I don't know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, It's okay. coming up in April. All right. Yeah. Next big pay. I'm a wrestling nerd. So. Yeah, you'll have to tell me about it. Yeah. <laughs> 478-646-ESPN. Let's go to Savannah, Bama, in Savannah. You're on there. Roll Tide? Hello? Oh, Todd. Hey, guys. Yeah, I'm from, I'm from, I am in Savannah, but I'm from Mobile, Alabama. Oh, I love Mobile. Dolphin Street. Great place. Great city. Y'all, you know what? I, I tell people that Savannah is really um, like Mobile on steroids or Mobile with a turbo boost. Yeah, I could see that. That's a good comparison. That's a good, yeah, that's a good comparison. But, hey, listen, my brother and I always go back and forth with, um, with, Sports trivia and especially uh, mascots. I got one for you guys. Let's see. There's a there's a town in Mississippi called Saint Stanislaus and Saint Stanislaus Rockachals. Y'all know what a Rockachal is? No, but I've heard of it because I went to high school in Columbus, Mississippi, for a little while. Come on, man. Saint uh, the Rockachals. The rock a Rockachal is a sand spur. 
Oh, okay. I did. I did not know that. Okay. All right. Nice. There you go. I just wanted to chime in. Enjoy your show. Keep up the good work. All hey, right. thanks, man. Appreciate well, that. Savannah, Bama. Savannah, Bama. All right. Well, yeah. <laughs> I guess you had to say "roll tide" to get him to talk. Uh, well, I, but with a question mark at the end. I wasn't. I wasn't doing the cheer. I was trying to wake him up. You know, making sure he was there. Uh, but uh, oh yeah, there's some great. High school name the Caro Caro syrup makers. Oh, that's yeah. Uh, and there's one I can't remember the high school, but their nickname is the Atom Smashers. Yes, uh, I, I think that's near the Savannah area. Uh, yeah, area. I think it's somewhere around. Yeah. yeah, it's in Georgia, but I can't remember the high school. Maybe somebody out there can can uh, remember it. Maybe Savannah, Bama. I might know it, but, uh, <laughs> either way, yeah, there's some great great nicknames out there. Uh, I tell you a good trivia question um, is uh, name. Now, I don't know how many there are. There's a bunch of them, but uh, it's it's more of kind of a sitting around, hanging out with your buddies, seeing who how many you can name. But it's uh, how many college mascots, name college mascots that don't end in an S. Like oh, plur- wow, Like plural. Yeah. So, for instance, Syracuse Orangemen. Yeah. Uh, Stanford Cardinal. Yep, there you go. Uh, Tulane Green Wave. Correct. Alabama Crimson Tide. Right. I mean, there, you know, there's yeah. a lot of them. There's you know, a it's lot, not yeah. like a, It's not like eight and, you know, you're going to – get seven of you know what i mean but uh nc state wolfpack wolfpack yep yep yeah. so i guess nevada because they're the wolfpack too uh correct that's right yeah um the uh illinois fighting illini yep uh notre dame fighting irish irish yep um and then there's one oh uh oh it's hofstra flying dutchman the flying dutchman that's right that's right yeah yeah so there's uh you know, there's, there's a lot of those. Yeah, there's 15 or 20 of them, or mo- probably more. You know, but that's one of those. Um, oh, like on Stub, uh, Stump the Schwab. That's the kind of question they would have had, where you have to keep naming them. The contestants would have to keep naming them and the Schwab to stay in the game. You'd have to name one, and then they'd cross it off. You know, that that kind of thing. Um, yeah, they would do those kind of questions. Name the starting 12 of the Los Angeles Lakers in 1988 when they won the. NBA champs, stuff like uh, that. Yeah. Some of you know Magic Johnson. Okay. Yeah. Um, James Worthy. James Worthy, right? Green. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yeah. Byron Scott. Byron Scott. Yeah. That's a, I, I, that was a great show. It was. We got to take a break for the top of the hour. The phone lines are open four seven eight six four six ESPN. Wherever you want to go in the world of sports is fine with us. When we come back, we're talking Falcons at the combine. It could get a little dicey. That <laughs> more as we continue right after this. It's time to have lunch and talk sports. It's the Midday Sports Zone on Sports Radio 93.1. Hour number two, Russ Brown and Steve Norris with you taking your phone calls at 478-646-ESPN. Anywhere you want to go in the world of sports is fine with us. We've talked about the uh, – Georgia players having a big time at the Combine. Of course, you've got Tech and Georgia playing each other in baseball this weekend. Georgia Southern's baseball team is at Central Florida. 
the dogs and jackets in action on the hardwood for the regular season finales this weekend. Georgia Southern has advanced in the Sun Belt Tournament, so they will play tomorrow night. Looking forward to that. And if you haven't heard, Stegman Coliseum is falling apart. <laughs> no, a small piece of the ceiling fell, so they've had Coliseum to close it. Coliseum is falling down, falling down, <laughs> so falling they've down. had to close it. Uh, I wanted to start this hour talking about uh, the Combine and specifically uh, the Falcons angle of this NFL Draft Combine. And I saw a headline today that got the wheels turning, and I just think we're headed for a very Falcons draft. Um, <laughs> last year, as we, were, we spent weeks dissecting offensive and defensive linemen, and they took Drake London, the receiver, out of USC. Uh, the headline in today's AJC, quarterbacks C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson had formal interviews with the Falcons. Now, that doesn't mean the Falcons are going to draft either of the quarterbacks, but they're kicking the tires on a couple of quarterbacks. I have uh, know of one person in particular that is convinced he doesn't want this to happen, but is convinced they're going to take Anthony Richardson with the eighth pick. I don't know if he's going to be there because NFL teams are absolutely falling head over heels for this guy. I don't get it. I think he's Quincy Carter 2.0. Wow. Um, yeah, I really do. I, I, I've watched him play. I mean, the guy throws terrible interceptions. I mean, he, he, he kind of loses focus and does those kind of things. Um, I, I thought he should have gone back to Florida for one more year. I think he would have benefited. I, I, you know, and I think the, the biggest knock on him is, is seasoning. Uh, I think he's had 13 starts. I know he's played in 22 games. I think there were 13 starts in college. That's a season, right? <laughs> so I just, but I, I, but from a draft standpoint, in terms of height, weight, athletic ability, arm strength, it, there. I mean, he is a scout's dream. He looks great getting off the bus. Yep, that's for sure. And for some NFL GMs, that's all they need. That's Look it. Look good getting off the bus. And they feel like, you know, these coaches feel like, they can, well, we can coach him up. We can fix the mechanics. We can we fix, can fix the, them. Yep, we can yep. fix the fo footwork. We'll play to his strengths. And so, I mean, and, and look, he's going to draw, I think, some Cam Newton comparisons, and I think that's legitimate. Now, obviously, he didn't have the same career in college because Cam Newton won a national title. Uh, but that's, that's the um, – that's the, kind of the, the story on him. And then C.J. Stroud, it's interesting to hear the breakdown of C.J. Stroud because, uh, and this was talked about yesterday on the uh, Dan Patrick show with Daniel Jer uh, Jeremiah, who said he wasn't really impressed with C.J. Stroud. Um, he's a good quarterback, but felt like he didn't know if he was first-round pick type material. And then he plays Georgia, and it's like, well, where's this guy been? Right. And the scouts feel like, well, if you do it once, you can do it, right? So – that, that's where his stock is going to maybe go up a little bit too. But then I kind of had my own twist to the, uh, to the Falcons and what scared me. So yesterday, between shows, I'm watching the Combine coverage, and they're talking about Bijan Robinson, the running back from Texas. Mm -hmm. And uh, depending on which board you look at as far as best overall player, he's in the top five on a lot of these people's boards. Yeah, but you don't take a running back in the first you round. You don't take a running back in the first round. There are a dime a dozen. I mean, but, you can get one that can get the I, and I'm done. not, and I'm not suggesting they should. But are is Arthur Smith going to go? That's my Derrick Henry. <laughs> well, that's very possible. <laughs> uh, he may say that and then draft a defensive back uh, out of a Division two school or something. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Falcons, yeah. you know. Well, I think I don't think we have to worry about that so much anymore. I think that was Thomas Dimitrov trying to show everybody how smart he was. So. 
when is the last time, and it may be Kyle Pitts, but when is the last time the Falcons drafted in the first round somebody where we all went, oh, thank goodness they took who we wanted to take? Collectively, I don't think that's ever happened. Um, maybe Deion Sanders. Yeah, well, <laughs> right. Um, that, because that, even Matt but that Ryan, was really close to them also drafting Andre Bruce. Right. So, uh, but, but like even with Matt Ryan, oh, well, Michael Vick. I think when okay. they made the trade, you knew they were going for Michael Vick, and we all got excited about that. Right. That would probably be the last one. When they drafted Matt Ryan, there were a lot. There were some people that would have rather have had Ken Dorsey, guilty as charged. Right. Um, I'm, no. I'm glad I didn't make that pick. <laughs> Another Marcus Mariota. Yeah. So, um, but no, rarely is that going to happen, and it's probably not going to happen this year because you're going to have – You've got Flash and Pizzazz guy that, that would love a B. John Robinson or one of the quarterbacks. You've got build from the inside out guy, but they're going to but build from the inside out guy is going to break down into two groups of offensive line versus defensive line. So from a fan standpoint, none of us are going to be on the same page. Yeah, and I can't remember. Maybe you will, but did we see the Julio Jones thing happening, the trade, you know, where we gave up the world to get him? I can't remember if, if that was on the board or not. I, no, I don't. I don't think we saw that coming. And I, a lot of people like that. I hated that trade. I still hate that trade. I mean, that ruined. That's why Matt Ryan never won a Super Bowl with the Falcons. Well, that's another reason why losing that Super Bowl hurt so bad. Yeah. Is because that was why that trade was made. Right. Right. And well, had we won the Super Bowl, I think we might be sitting here thinking, yeah. "Well, okay." That would no. I, I agree. That would have changed because you got the Super Bowl. But what really bothered me the most about that trade is when, it, during an interview, it was suggested, so you guys are all in to win the Super Bowl. And they said, no. That's not what this signaled. And it's like, no, when you give up four draft picks for one player, you're going for when the gold. When you mortgage the future yes, it's for one Super guy, Bowl or bust. you are trying to win the championship. Yeah, it's Super Bowl or bust. Don't. <laughs> Wow. All right. Yeah, that, I'm, that regime. I, re- I do remember that now. I, yeah. I, like I said, I couldn't remember exactly how all that played out. But. Yeah. Yeah, so you just it, it was um yeah nah, it, it it just the, that that era is over. I like the new GM Terry Fontenot. I like his approach to the draft a lot better. I don't necessarily see eye to eye, um you know because some people would have rather had Panay Sewell uh, last year. Was, uh, people would have rather had an offensive or defensive lineman. But you can't tell me that Kyle Pitts and Drake London aren't good players. Whether we like the pick or not, they they, they are big yes. time contributors for this team moving forward. Let's get to a phone call, 478-646-ESPN. Ken is incoming. What's up, sir? Friday morning or Friday afternoon, whatever it is, guys. I hope you all have are having a great Friday. It's uh, 5 o'clock somewhere, Ken, right? Yeah, you're uh, good. Uh, in about mm, about 35 minutes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> Russ knows what I'm talking about. Pour one uh, out for me. So, uh, you, damn it, you guys, I'm sitting here looking at the Falcons' history of the draft picks. A couple of them are really good. Tommy Nobis was awesome. Claude Humphrey, <laughs> great. Steve Barkowski, great. Um, where's another one? Mike Ken, great. But then, listen to this. Oh, my God. Andre Bruce. Ugh, then you I go have... Deion Sanders the next year. But listen to this run of picks in 89. Sean Collins, who? Steve Broussard, Bruce Pickens, Mike Pritchard. Then you go Bob Whitfield. I mean, those were hard. Oh, Bob, Bob Whitfield was Whitfield a good was okay. Whit- he, he was serviceable. Was yeah. I mean, uh, you know. They drafted running back, wide receiver. I mean, Devin Bush, Michael Booker. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Oh, you're bringing back some bad It may not be 35 minutes before we start drinking now, Ken. Thanks. (laughs) I mean, it just – oh, Patrick Kearney was a – T.J. Duckett, what a bust. 
Kearney I was mean, good. Kearney was good. T.J. Duckett, that was – I didn't – and they and remember when they drafted T.J. Duckett, they had just signed Warwick Dunn, and Jamal Anderson was still on the roster. And then he blew out his knee, I think, in the next year opening game against Dallas. That was, was – yeah, the, the, that no, was T.J. The Duckett. Yeah, that, that came out. T.J. Duckett was after that, yeah. Here's everybody's favorite, Prey Jerry. Oh Did my he even gosh. play wow. a game? No, he quit football. Remember, yep. he retired early because they were. All, that was the year the Falcons were on hard, hard knocks, and that was on one of the episodes when he came into Mike Smith's office and told him he was done playing football. He was like 26. Jacaris McKinley. Oh, Tack, Tack McKinley. Oh, Tack, Tack McKinley. McKinley. Oh, I remember that. He was the one that he when they the picked pic- him, he had a picture of his grandmother yeah. and was <laughs> walking yeah. all over the place he's, with it. He's, he's nuts. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he needed medication greatly. He truly did not. You know, thank you, Russ, for that trip down memory lane. That's just, you know, that's why being an Atlanta Falcon fan is so daggum so, hard. But, but, I mean, in all seriousness, Ken, when you look at this draft, if, if I were to not who they you think they should draft, but are they more likely to draft an offensive or defensive lineman? I'll put that in one category. Anthony Richardson or Bijan Robinson? I guarantee you you would say Richardson and Robinson before offensive or defensive lineman. Um, yeah. Yeah, and and you know they're going to take him. I I, I predicted that you did, uh, and and I. But I read an article today that, like you guys were saying, and Steve, <laughs> that was a great analogy, by the way, Steve. Which I'd one? Forgotten that. Quincy Carter two point oh. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, that that Richardson is being talked about now, is, and I think all this is smokescreen stuff, guys. Too. I mean, it's you know it's just all posturing. But I'm telling you, if Jalen Carter is there at eight, and they do not take him. I am done. I will never, ever, ever, ever talk Atlanta Falcons. I'm going to go root for the Jacksonville Jaguars or somebody else. If he's there at eight and they do not take him, I am done. There's going to be a lot of really upset Georgia slash Falcon fans if they don't See, take well, Taylor Carter. Well, I agree with you, Ken. Y'all I know would my, be mad too. Y'all know my stance on that. If you're putting your college team before the pro team, then you can't say you're a Falcons fan. Sorry. Uh, well, that has nothing. Listen, what, but it's Jalen Carter. We're not, we're not talking they're about Jalen. Jalen Carter is no longer a Georgia Bulldog. Exactly. I understand, but we're talking about a, a difference maker in the NFL, not just college. Well, this is a well, difference maker the, on the line. We think. Yeah, we think. I well, I yeah. yeah I mean, sure. <laughs> I, 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 I think the, the same thing. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm with you, know? you, but it's not. It's not a fact yet. Right. Russ, I put that Georgia stuff. I listen. I, I'm not one of those people. I really am not. I mean, it's it's fun to joke about, but I I just want this team to win. I, I am tired of nine and seven, five and twelve. Yeah. I just, in my lifetime, I just want a solid, stable team that I can say today we're going to be competitive. You know, that's all I want. Just some continuity. Yeah. And we get it for like three or four years, and it goes away. And and I. Anyhow, all right, I'm going to go get a drink. All right, <laughs> drink one for me. See you, Ken. Yeah, you know, it is true. About every five or six years, the Falcons are competitive for about a season or two. Yeah. And then it falls off. The consensus, consistency has not been there. Correct. Um, but no, it just, we, and we talked about this. The, the, uh, this and Daniel and I get into this all the time, and it's so frustrating. And it happens in college football more than any other sport, it seems like. These narratives get out there that just. Like, oh, well, the Falcons never draft Georgia players. They drafted two players from Georgia last year. Like, it, 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 they're not passing on some, a guy because of where he went to school, and they're not picking a guy where he went to school. And if they did start drafting Georgia players to make to, – to create interest, 
the second they win six games, you're not going to care. This team signed Todd Gurley to play running back. They sucked by the end of the year, and nobody cared. That's not they their job. They drafted Dent. Yeah, they drafted. I mean, they've drafted Georgia players in the past. I, when I lived in Charlotte, the Bobcats, because they were trying to create interest, because nobody went to their games, drafted Raymond Felton and Sean May in the same draft. It was probably one of the worst first rounds by an NBA team in history because they were trying to pander to North Carolina fans. That stuff does not work. Nope. Well, and I think we all know the Falcons, uh, it's not that they don't like Georgia players. It's just that the Falcons really suck at the NFL draft. <laughs> yeah, that's just, well. <laughs> they're they're going to screw it up anyway. There's that. Don't, I don't know what you're crying about. They're not picking Georgia players. <laughs> they suck at the NFL draft. <laughs> that's the problem. Well, I hope it's changing because I, I do think the last two drafts have been have been good. They've gotten a lot of production out of those players and, and a lot more than I think you would expect out of uh, – rookies and, and second-year players. Uh, now, granted, the, the the cap situation kind of forced that to happen. So now as we get into a place where they can add free agents, we'll see how those picks stand up. But I would say overall, so far, so good. we got to take a break. 478-646-ESPN is the number. Back with more of the Midday Sports Zone right after this. Twelve eighteen, Russ and Steve back with you here on the Midday Sports Zone. Let's get back to the phones, talking a little NFL draft today. Let's go to Brandon and Warner Robbins. What's up, man? Hey, what's going on? Y'all talking about the draft? I, I just wish I – I think it's just a lot of gambling, you know, just gambling on these players and who's going to pan out and who isn't. It would be cool to have a show or something or something that would just kind of dive into these guys' minds and so you could kind of understand why they pick certain players because – I won last year. Yeah, I don't. I don't buy into the whole Falcons don't draft Georgia players for whatever reason. I just don't get drafting Justin Schaefer over Jamar Sawyer. Right. Okay, get, that's legitimate. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I don't get that. And then the whole Anthony Richardson going pick one. I just. And then somebody wanted to say today was like, oh, you know, these play, these games really got to do their homework with these players because. You don't want to draft Jalen Carter, Carter and pay him thirty thousand or thirty million a year, and he'll be a problem. And I'm like, but you're willing to take that risk on Anthony Richardson? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's that it's yeah. No, it's it's an inexact science. There's no question. Hey, Brandon, we appreciate the phone call. And and what it is is you're, you're it's it's a gamble, like he said. But they they you're trying to find different data points. To, to justify what you do. So, you know, the height, weight, 40 time, three cone drill time, all those things they're looking for. Like, if, if, if you draft a guy and he doesn't make it, you know, you're able to come back and say, well, he fit all the measurables. But, but fans don't care about that. Fans want to win. Like, Sawyer, I think, is, the, is a really good example about that because he doesn't have the measurables to be in tackle in the National Football League. But it doesn't seem to matter when it comes to him. No, no, he's but, definitely built like a guard. In yeah. fact, he was the number one guard coming out of high school. Yep. Who? What, what was the guy with? Um. Oh, I can't think of his name now. Let me pull it up here real quick. But um, the the probably one of the best drafts the Falcons ever had was Thomas Dimitrov's first year in two thousand and eight, and that's when they got Matt Ryan, um, and and Curtis Lofton, Harry Douglas, Thomas Deku. Troy Beerman, 
I mean, there were there were there were a lot of guys that went on to really contribute. But they drafted that tackle out of USC, Sam Baker. Do you remember him? Yes. And Sam Baker had short arms. He had little little T Rex arms. Right. If his arms were longer, he probably would have been one of the best tackles. He was still pretty good. But I mean, he would have been an elite tackle. And so that they're looking for those measurables. Like Anthony Richardson, we look at what he did at the University of Florida and we're like, he he barely played. He looks unpolished. What the hell? How is that a first-round quarterback? There's no production there. And then, I mean, and if you're a Georgia fan, you're going to say, well, look at Stetson Bennett's numbers compared to his. Well, that's not what they're looking at. They're looking at 6'4", 230, athletic, athleticism, cannon for an arm. That's what that's – what, they're not looking at the numbers these guys put up in college. They're not looking at – they're looking at measurables. Well, and just about every quarterback um, interviewed once they get to the NFL when asked – What's the biggest difference? They say the speed of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, several quarterbacks have said this, but they basically basically it goes uh, in college everybody's open in the NFL nobody's open. You have to throw them open. Yeah, um, and that I can understand with Bennett. I mean, because as much as I love sets of Bennett, okay, and I'm not trying to frame him or anything, <laughs> uh, but um, he was throwing to some open receivers a lot. Yeah. I mean, because Munkin's offense, I mean, always, almost always seemed to have a, a wide-open receiver. Yeah. Um, now, Bennett made some great throws, okay, uh, to guys that weren't open. But that's the real problem is, first off, being able to see over his lineman. But second off, having the kind of arm to throw guys open. And that's, that's, where, they, that's where they start salivating over Richardson. They feel like he's got the, you know, the cannon mm-hmm. to do that. Yep. So well, that's where that comes in. And Tate makes a really good uh, point here on Twitter because if you look at quarterbacks in the NFL right now, when you, when, when you see Anthony Richardson's athletic ability, who does it remind you of? Josh Allen. Right. And so, Sam Newton. Yeah. And, and the, look, if, if look, and I'll just use the Falcons as an example. We can all cringe together. If the Falcons draft Anthony Richardson, <laughs> pauses for cringe, um, and he is that. Then Terry Fontenot's set for the next 10 years as a GM. We've got, uh, you know, we're going to be, if, as long as they don't screw it up like the last regime, we should be in playoff contention as long as they're taking care of the lines of scrimmage for the next 10 years. I mean, that that's why those guys continue to do that. Why do these quarterbacks continue to get drafted in the first round? Because if you miss with the rookie salary cap, you can move on quickly. Right. If you hit, you're set. I mean, look at Cincinnati. Look at Buffalo. Uh, look at Kansas City. It, it just if you hit on the quarterback, it alters your franchise. Right, right, and it's a quarterback league. Yep, that's what I was saying earlier. You know, it's a passing league. Yeah, um, you got to have a quarterback, you got to have a left tackle, and you got to have a pass rusher. Yep. Well, see, like, and like for example, I'm I'm wondering, and again, I, I can't wait to see the mocks after the combine. I'm I'm thinking Bryce Young may start to drop a little bit. Now he did measure five ten yesterday, so you know if you was if five ten, yeah, bar- barely like five ten and a quarter. Okay, but if you measure under five ten, that that's like if he'd have been five nine and three quarters, like you would have been like, well, he's a day two pick all of a sudden. But the thing about about yesterday is he he weighed in, I think, at one eighty eight, and I think that's going to be one of those things. And we think about I weigh one eighty eight, <laughs> but you think about the arm strength and all the things he did at Alabama, and that's why he's regarded as as the top quarterback prospect. But you go to the combine and weigh in at one eighty eight. Well, can this guy stay healthy? You know, those questions are going to start to get asked about and him. And they're about to change the rules, I think, on hitting the quarterback. They're about to make it uh, not as sensitive, or I'm not sure the word I'm looking for, but but where, you know, it's not a flag football league anymore as far as hitting the quarterback. Wow. 
And if they do that, I, I just read about this. Yeah, they're discussing it. Wow. Um, and if that happens, yeah, a guy like Bryce Young, I mean. That's definitely, that would definitely change things. They're going to be the headhunters out there. They're going to be knocking him out. Yeah. Four seven eight six four six ESPN. Let's go to Perry in Macon. Hey, Perry. Hey, guys. Uh, comment about Richardson. I read something, or I either read or heard this. They said the most consistent thing he's at, he is at is being inconsistent. Yeah, boy, that's, that nails it. <laughs> that's that. Yeah, that's not a good trait to have. Yeah, I mean, I've seen him in that. Like you know, one game last year, maybe first of the season, he looked like all pro, all all American. And then the other games, a lot of the other ones, he couldn't hit the barn from the inside. Mm. <laughs> couldn't throw it in the ocean. And also, on you were talking about running backs earlier. You know, if you got a really good, dec- or a decent offensive line, you can make a, a just a regular running back look like an all pro almost. Yeah, if you got a good line. So that's what they need to work on the uh, lines of scrimmage. No doubt. Hey, a hundred percent, Perry. We appreciate the call. I mean, look at the year Tyler Algier had last year as, what, a fourth or fifth-round pick out of BYU. Yeah. And, I, look, and I want to be clear. I'm not saying the Falcons are going to take Bijan Robinson. I'm just wondering if Arthur Smith is going, yeah, there's there's my Derrick Henry. Right. So, I, I hope they don't do that. Offensive, defensive line is the way they want to go. But uh, Ken and Cumming is convinced they're going to take Anthony Richardson. I mean, it, nothing should surprise us when it comes to the Falcons in the draft. No. Uh, I think we've made that perfectly clear. Yeah. I mean, I remember I was at the – I was in the Georgia Dome. You brought up T.J. Duckett. I was in the Georgia Dome. Me and my buddies went up there for the draft party watching that on the video board in the Georgia Dome. And I remember we were walking out of there saying, like, well, I guess we're running the wishbone next year. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, Wow. And, oh, and Reggie Kelly. That's always a fun one to talk about. When you've already got two tight ends and they took Reggie Kelly oh, out of Mississippi yeah. State. <laughs> I know, man. Oh. I mean, well, this is exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. Nothing surprises us. No, no. Talk about consistently being inconsistent. That would be the Atlanta Falcons in the draft. Yep. Should we just I mean, should we just go all in on a miserable Friday and review the draft history? Or talk, let's talk some Brave Spring training on the next on the flip side. How about that? <laughs> Sounds good to me, man. <laughs> four seven eight six four six ESPN is the number anywhere you want to go in the world of sports. And we're back with more of the Midday Sports Zone right after this. Twelve thirty-one. Russ and Steve back with you here on the Midday Sports Zone. I, w- I went to Bryce Young's uh, combine page, and they haven't updated it yet uh, because they've still got him at six feet one ninety-four, which is what he is in the in the program. So the official height and weight hasn't been listed just yet. Um, so anyway, we uh, phone lines are open four seven eight six four six ESPN. You can call in and uh, talk a little combine or whatever is on your mind in the world of sports. The Braves are back in action in spring training today down in sunny Florida, and um, and this this have you have you heard about this Dylan Dodd kid yet? I have not. There is a pitcher. I mean, this is a great story. Um, that this this guy, I mean, he's just kind of come out of nowhere and is really starting to turn heads um, down in spring training. Trying to see if I can pull up his um, his his pitching numbers now, uh, but he is uh, he was a drafted as a senior. So you know the the thing is when you're when you're drafted as a senior in in college, I mean, you really it's it's kind of. It's kind of unfair. I mean, it's 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 basically 
hey, we, we drafted you. Here's a thousand dollars. Take it or leave it. You know, yeah. I, I mean, it, it, because there's really nowhere to go. And kind of through a roundabout way, I have a, a buddy of mine is is really 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 good friends with um, a, a scout in one of the I, I won't say which team, but a scout for one of the major league baseball teams. And you know, we, we were having a conversation the other day about you know, well, when you offer a senior out of college, like what, like this isn't somebody you expect to ever make it to the majors. Like what, like, but I know you you don't just want to throw away a draft pick. Like, what are you looking for? And the answer just, to, I'm just kind of giving you a perspective of what the expectations for this kid are. The, the answer, it was basically, if it's a position player, you're just looking for somebody that's really good defensively that I can put behind a bonus baby pitcher at A and, and double A. To, to give them confidence. That's, right. That's, that, that is the expectation that you're going to bat about 190, play really good defense, yeah. and as soon as this kid goes off to the majors, your career's probably over unless there's another one on the way. Right. Um, but, uh, but they found a guy here that uh, has been turning heads uh, in, in his appearances this spring, and uh, it's, it's, it's exciting to see. I mean, I, I don't want to – I, I don't want to say the uh, Spencer Strider word because, you know, I, again, it's kind of like the Yancey kid from Pittsburgh that's being compared to Aaron Donald. That's just not fair. No. But it's a great story. Righty, lefty? Uh, he's a he's a righty. And I'm trying – I apologize. I'm trying to find his spring training numbers, but for some reason they're not popping up here on the page. But he's had a couple of appearances now, and uh, he's he's looked really good. Can't have too much pitching. No, that well, and that's the thing. You know, a lot of people, well, not a lot of people, but some people were wondering about, um, were wondering about Ian Anderson because he had such a bad outing. Like, it's his first outing. He's, you know, he's working on a new pitch on that slider. Um, yeah, it, it, if it continues, yeah, you start to get a little bit. Concerned. Yeah, let's uh, hope he doesn't go Mark Wohler's on <laughs> Right. Here, but but otherwise, you know, I, I think you just have to be patient and and let's see how he does in his next start. Okay, I found the I found the stats here on Dylan Dodd. He's appeared in two games. He's thrown four and a third innings, seven strikeouts, hasn't given up an earned run with a whip of .69, opponents batting average one eighty eight. So nearly two strikeouts per inning. Yeah. Wow, that's pretty impressive. Yep. He's um. He's from Elk Grove, Illinois. He was a third-round pick, the 96th player taken out of Southeast Missouri State. And he, uh, in 2001, he was 0-2 with an ERA of 9. He appeared in four games. Last year in the minors, he appeared in 26 games and was 12-9 with an ERA of 336. That was 142 innings. He had 153 strikeouts in 142 innings. Mm. All right. I mean, it's almost like, and I know that it's a lot more involved than this, but it's almost like Alex Antopoulos just sits in his office pouring over stat sheets looking at strikeouts per nine inning. I'm fine with that. I need a GM like that. Like, <laughs> right? Because every time, um, every time, like, the, there's a signing, like, and, and not like a big-time signing. Like, when they sign a relief pitcher that you may or may not have heard of, and you go, and the first thing I do is like strikeouts per nine. Oh, 11. Okay. Yeah. yeah. There it is. It, it's, 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 if it's, it's, that's the only stat he's looking at. And like you said, I'm fine with that. Because, it's a good indicator. Yeah, it is. It's a good indicator for sure. Um, 
But I, I continue to be really excited about this season that's coming up. And, and you know, we're seeing these games with the new rules. And I, I just I, – I have – I just feel like Alex Anthopoulos may have been just a little bit ahead of everybody else in this. Because you look at what baseball is trying to enhance. You know, they've limited – the throws the pitcher can make to first base, but the catcher can make unlimited throws to first base. In comes Sean Murphy, the new catcher out of Oakland, who's supposed to be probably behind uh, Rio Muto, the the next best catcher in Major League Baseball from a defensive standpoint. And then the other thing that gets me excited is you go start to go around this diamond. Um, Ozzie can steal bases. Vaughn Grissom can steal bases. Ronald Acuna can steal bases. Michael Harris can steal bases. Rosario might be able to steal some bases. I think you might see a team that's going to be running a little bit. Oh yeah, they've already said that. They're, uh, I saw a thing where they're talking about bringing back the forty forty club, right? Forty home runs, forty stolen bases. Uh, Acuna could probably pull that off, right? Yeah, and maybe um, uh, who else could pull it off? Um, uh, uh, uh. I hate when I can't think of the name. The center fielder. Oh, Michael Harris. Harris. Yeah. Could you he know, hit 40 bombs? You I, think? I, I don't know. I, I know he could steal 40 bases. Yeah. The thing about Michael Harris, I'm, and I'm not – this is just me being paranoid, but I, I'm a little bit worried because last year as a rookie, he had 441 plate appearances. He hit 297 and 19 home runs as a rookie. Right. I mean, if he cont- if that's if that's consistent, that's a Hall of Famer. Like easy, yep, easy Hall of Famer. So yeah, if he hit, if he hit nineteen home runs and four hundred and forty plate appearances, I don't know if he could get to forty, but I mean he could be a thirty thirty guy, right? So I, I just I, I think the Braves are really built for these new rules, and um, you know obviously I, mean, I can't wait for the regular season to get here just to see how much they do run, and I think that's going to be a lot of fun. This sport's going to be completely different. I mean it is a it, it's it's. There was a, uh, in, I think it was the Yankees game yesterday. Anyway, there was, I, I watched the video. A batter, a pitcher struck out a batter in 27 seconds. 27 seconds? Yes. Wow. I'll see if I can find the video. But yeah, it, it, 27 seconds. The hurry up defense has come to I the mean, baseball. It, <laughs> I mean, it, it is going to be insane. The, the time of games is down and the scoring is up. So whether we like these rules or not, the, the I guarantee you the commissioner's office loves that. Yeah, they're getting what they wanted. They're getting exactly what they wanted. So, but but you know, again, it just I, I feel like I'm incredibly biased, and I do admit it. I'm a huge Braves fan, but I just think Alex Antopoulos is the best general manager in baseball, and I feel like this team's probably a little bit ahead of the curve on this. I'm not sure the Phillies and the Mets can run like the Braves can run. What if they'll use this to have more doubleheaders? You know, because hmm. if you can get the games over quicker, you can fit two in easier. Yeah, and give players more days off. Hmm, that's a thought. I, that, see, I, I, that I don't like more days off because my favorite thing about baseball is just about every night I can go yeah. home and watch the Braves. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, it would definitely <laughs> not be fan friendly. I'm just yeah. talking. Uh, the players' association probably think of something like that and go, "Hey, wait a minute." <laughs> no, I, I think we've. I think this game is, has changed drastically enough uh, from last year to this year that maybe maybe just leave it alone for about a decade. Oh, I agree. <laughs> I, it's, just, it's something that occurred to me. I went, "Man, this sounds like something they would use to play two games in one day and then have a day off." Yeah, and and probably hey, let's do two seven inning doubleheaders. I mean, just whatever, right? Uh, man, it, it's 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 just. Um, 
it's wild. It's it's a different different sport for sure. We're gonna take a break. Phone lines are open four seven eight six four six ESPN. Last segment of the week coming up right after this. Twelve forty five. Russ and Steve wrapping it up here on this Friday afternoon. Phone lines are open four seven eight six four six. ESPN, anywhere you want to go in the world of sports is fine with us. Here's an interesting question. Is this from Twitter? Yeah, from Twitter. Our buddy Tate. Do you think the pitch clock will help Spencer Strider? Oh, well, uh, yeah, that's a that's a good point. Because, I mean, really, I mean, all he's doing, I, mean, I don't want to. Rocking and firing. I mean, it's not like, you know, Greg Maddox. <laughs> there was an art form to what he was doing. Spencer Strider, it's just like, hey, I'm going to throw it 102 miles an hour at your chest. Yeah. Good here, luck. Here it comes. Yeah, I mean, he, he could call out. He could. It's almost like he could call out the pitches. You don't want to do that, obviously, because his slider is what makes all that work. But, yeah, I, I wonder. That's a good point. We're going to find out. Yeah. I, you know, and here's another question. I, and This is uh, just a hypothetical you'll never know the answer to. Um. If you go back 20 years, could Greg Maddox have finished the game in an hour and a half with these rules? Oh, he, he did. <laughs> uh, he finished one game in like two hours or something yeah. like that, or an hour and 58 or something, yeah. where he threw, I think, 61 pitches. Yep. Yeah, it was something crazy like that. Yeah. I mean, with these new rules, I bet he could get a, he could get in and out of there in an hour and a half. Oh, he'd love it. <laughs> he'd be on the course in four hours. I was going to say, he could play 18 that afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> he, he'd won the doubleheaders. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. Four seven eight six four six ESPN. Ken in Macon. What's up, Killer? How y'all doing? Good. What's up, Ken? How you doing? I want to ask y'all a question. I mean, I, y'all y'all wasn't around probably nineteen eighty. Yes. But, uh, Absolutely, I, I was. I was about one years old, or okay. one year old. I was ten. Yeah, somebody might have told you. Who you think is the best brave team and the best Georgia Bulldogs team ever been? Huh. Uh, best Braves team was probably 1995 or six, uh, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, when Dave Justice was healthy, um, I actually covered those teams when I was at 13. Uh, 96 was what popped into my head. Yeah, yeah. The 96 team had Dave Justice been healthy, I'm pretty sure yeah. would have beaten the Yankees. Um, I mean, I, I, I've said this for years. I mean, he he was kind of the straw that stirred the drink in, in that locker room. He kept all the press away from everybody else because he, frankly, loved it. Um, but um, I'd say 95 or 96 on the Braves. Now, the the 97, 98 teams, I mean, was real. they were really strong. They just blew it in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the 2021 team was just so resilient. Um, I mean, they just refused to lose, you know. But I don't think they would have beaten those mid-90s teams. No. Uh, not in a seven-game series. Um, as far as the best Georgia Bulldog team, um, I would say this past one probably, just because they were so good on offense and defense. The twenty-one team just the defense was just incredibly strong and kept them in games. Um, if you consider the the rules of college football and the way the game has evolved, if you factor that in, I think you could make the argument that twenty-one defense might have been the best ever. Right. Right, and you know it is. I mean, I'm a Georgia fan, you know, sure. so you can say what you want. But there were rumors, you know, that a lot of the guys on the team had the flu in the SEC championship game. It's just Kirby's not going to, you know, use that excuse. I, that's what I've heard from sources, but 
Who knows if it's true or not? But I mean, Alabama won the game. Okay, I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying yeah. to take that. No, away I from just me. no. You but, go back and watch that. I'll tell you what. That, I'll tell you what happened in that game. You can go back and watch it. Williams caught that first touch, long touchdown pass, and they had not been punched in the mouth like that all season. They didn't know how to respond because if you go look at that Georgia defense right. in the second half of that game, it was the Georgia defense of 21. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. They got that's. William uh, Poole yeah. had, had no idea yeah. how to cover uh, that, that, Williams. There was just there was about a, a, a segment of that game from early in the second quarter to just a little bit after halftime where they were just you could tell their heads were kind of spinning. Yeah. they got it back under control. It was just too little, too late. Right now, you know, can't ask that question. Um, you know what? Football now is completely different than it was uh, even thirty years ago, forty years ago. So you're talking about two different. Uh, two different times in football, okay? But if you talk to the old school Georgia Bulldogs, you know, fans, you know, um, they're going to tell you the night, actually, the 1982 team was extremely strong. The the defense, go look, they only allowed like 10 points a game or something like that. Um, but you know what? They had a bad game against Penn State in the Sugar Bowl and they lost 27 23. But Herschel Walker was a junior that year, right? Um, and uh, that's one of the strongest teams they ever had. Um, the 1983 team, uh, the defense was incredible. Their only loss that year was to Auburn and Bo Jackson, 13-7. to They didn't have Herschel Walker. And uh, Vince Dooley said numerous times, if, if Herschel had been able to come back for his senior year in 83, they would have won the national championship. Yeah. Um, again, the old school guys will tell you the 1966 Georgia team. Yeah. That's the one that pounded on Steve Spurrier. Um, to this day, Spurrier hates Georgia because of that cocktail party where they they got beat so bad. But uh, my dad was in school at Georgia then, and as I've all grown up, I've heard how great the '66 and '68 ACC champion teams were, how good they were. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it just kind of depends on when, you, what, what timeline you come yeah. from, and it's kind of like the Jordan LeBron argument. You know, yeah. uh, if you're over forty, you're going to say. Jordan. Right. Well, like right. like I can, I vividly remember the Braves teams in the 90s and obviously, you know, when they won the World Series in 21. Right. I, I haven't, I, I never saw the 1980 team play. I was one. Like, so. I did. It's, I, it's hard for me to really answer that. My dad took me to the second game that year. Now, remember, it was, it was a lot easier to get Georgia tickets back then because Georgia's uh, 79 team was not very good. They went six and five. But, um, and, you know, Herschel was a big deal, of course, but. Um, that was the first home game for Georgia. It was against Texas A&M. And my dad kept telling me on the way there, he's like, man, I, I hope Herschel gets out in the open. I've heard how fast he is. And the third quarter it happened. He went off left tackle. And by the time he got to the end zone, he was 15 yards ahead of all the DBs. It's crazy. It was incredible. So, anyway, uh, the 80 team was just so resilient, you know. Uh, but they weren't the greatest Georgia team they ever had. Real quick before we uh, get out of here, I've asked this question a lot. I'm going to read a quote, and I'm going to ask it again. So little information is starting to trickle out about what the new SEC schedule is going to be. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it sounds like you're getting three permanents and a nine-game schedule. So it, it's been leaked, and Nick Saban is quoted as saying, they're giving us Tennessee, Auburn, and LSU. I don't know how they come to that. We got three teams, and two of them are in the top ten, and the other is in the top ten. Well, wait, the- wait, 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 wait. Tennessee, Auburn, and LSU as our three permanent for Bama. Oh, for oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I thought you said for Georgia. No, no for say, Bama. That makes no sense. For Bama, and the answer to the question is, they're going off a ten-year scale. 
So for the past decade, Tennessee has not been a top ten team. No, Auburn's not a top ten team right now. But but when I read the, read this quote, the first thing that comes to my mind every time we have these scheduling conversations. Why is college football the only sport where people don't want to be challenged? <laughs> I mean, Nick Saban schedules East-West Tech State before the Auburn game every year. Yeah. I mean, come on. Play. Dude, just play football. You know, if you want to win a national championship, you're going to have to beat teams that are better than that. Right. I mean, Tennessee wasn't a playoff team last year. Auburn fired their coach, and LSU lost four or five games. Come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> just play i hear you I, you know that's always bugged me yeah uh, you're gonna have to beat somebody eventually <laughs> right oh my goodness gracious i mean and i we don't know what the other ones are that's just there's an si article out about this that ross dellinger did and i i'm i just think dellinger might be the best college football writer in the country and there's a lot of good ones too mm -hmm. uh but that, that you can go read more about it, but it's just it, it, it just <laughs> it's like come on. What man. year was it? Uh, Georgia Southern was it 2012? Went in there and ran up and down the field on Alabama. Uh, yeah, it was uh, 2011. Saban said something like they went through us like mm -hmm. you know what through a that's the ten, 10 horn. horn. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, you can go find video of the. They weren't inspecting that when they scheduled Southern. One of one of my fondest memories, Dominic Swope. Uh, took it 82 yards on a touchdown run mm -hmm. against that defense. And those the people in the stands, they didn't know what to do. They were like, you don't run on this defense, and he just had an 82-yard touchdown right. run. Like, we don't give up 82 yards rushing in a game. What the hell just happened? <laughs> yep. Uh, we're out of time. Hey, thanks for listening as always. We really do appreciate it. Appreciate all the calls and the texts and tweets. Uh, for Steve, I'm Russ. We'll see you again on Monday. Have, Have a, a good great one. weekend.